Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Brenton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. Hello, Mr. Matt. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back. It's the 33rd episode in season three of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. Although, admittedly, come on, we, you know, season one was like 400 episodes. I know that. That's fine. But uh, I, um, yeah. I realised we're very close, Joe. I know this is almost early because actually, obviously, one podcast a week. I think we're still about six months away, but we are awfully close to episode five hundred. Yeah, I've I've lost count now. I need to sort of add them all up. I guess. I I think. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go by uh, Apple or uh-huh. yeah, Apple Podcasts or Apple Music, um, it says four hundred and seventy-seven episodes. Oh, did they do that? Wow. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wow. So, um, any anyone got any suggestions for five hundred? Then uh, you know, we'll let's do something big. Bring bring back the uh, the old the old team. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're still yeah. alive. I'm or, sure they're still on sack. that island that we left them on. Yeah, <laughs> or sack all of us and have a whole new team. Oh, it's like. Um, yeah, almost just like uh, all you get those detective dramas, and you'd like for yeah. the whole the the first season is complete with a whole set of characters. Like, oh, it's amazing! And then they're like, oh, we're doing a second season, totally different story. Oh, you totally mean like different uh, set of people? You mean like True Detective? True Detective. Yeah, yeah. it could be like a, a we could do it like a James Bond reboot. So we'd still have Joe Branton and Matt Knight, but they'd be played by different people. Mm. Actually. This Joe, you didn't go to Arc Tangent this year, did you? Or I did, did not. No, it was no. Uh, it was it was last weekend. There was um, I was talking to someone in the office who went just just in terms of on the theme of reboots and same people but mm-hmm. played by different actors. Uh, this this person in the office said that they went to see a band where they're like totally anonymous. So they sort of they all wear masks. Everyone knows the name of the band members, but all the band members play all the instruments. But also they've got like other people, guest musicians that like come in as well, but because they all wear masks. Right. But they all also play in the band and then like they switch roles out. But everyone knows the name of the band members, but no Isn't one that- actually knows if they're actually on stage or not. Isn't that that band that have the Hagstrom Phantom Men? Um, no, that's Ghost. Guitar? Yeah, Ghost. Don't no, they, I they think interchangeable? They, I th- maybe. I think all of them, but the lead singer. 
Right. But then I think in Ghost, the lead singers had like a different alter ego for every album. I see. They're a band that have totally passed me by, um, to be honest. Ghost. Oh, yeah. They're not for me. Um, you know, I kind of like the idea, but um, I've not listened to any of the music. Well, what I what I really like is the uh, is the Hagstrom Phantomen. It's very cool because the because mm. okay for for listeners if you've not checked it out first of all Hagstrom Sweden make absolutely fantastic guitars like brilliant interesting guitar company. Admittedly, you know they whilst the stuff used to be Swedish and you know small custom shop stuff now it's all just designed by the Hagstrom team and it's all Chinese built guitars. They're very very good. And they've sort of stuck to their roots a lot. They do a lot of sort of reissues or, or classically styled things after old Hagstrom models, including their eight-string bass, which is rather cool. Um, but the the Phantom End for me was a big one just because it, it, the RD model is something Gibson have just totally sort of abandoned, even though it's a really cool, really popular, mm, yeah. relatively popular instrument. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so this is kind of the closest you're going to get. Um, Phantomen, F-A-N-T-O-M-E-N, for anyone wanting to Google it, is actually Swedish for the phantom. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mm. So there you I go. See. I see. Um, didn't... Did I imagine, Joe... You just mentioned Hagstrom, that Tim had a signature Hagstrom at one point. <laughs> he didn't have a signature Hagstrom, but he was endorsed by Hagstrom that was for it. a while. Yeah, that, that, for a while. Yeah, they were. Yeah, Tim from My Band Polymath was, I think, uh, at the time, Hagstrom were looking for like left handed musicians because they did quite a big range of left handed guitars. So Tim got one of their, their Les Pauls, which I, it's not the Viking. The Viking is their 335 style one. Mm, I can't remember without looking it up, but it was their their Les Paul style um, instrument, uh, which they do in like a Fender scale length and they do in a Gibson scale length. It's very cool. It's a really good guitar, and like a they, you know, it looks like like you expect, but it's heavily chambered, so it's it's much more lightweight. 
And also they do a couple of weird things on there. They've got an extra three way that's like a um like a bass cut. Mm. Um so you can get some really interesting tones out of out of the guitar with just a pair of humbuckers, which is pretty cool. I'm I'm still looking for the that model Super Swede. Uh, Super Swede I think is the Fender scale length. Swede. Oh, and then Swede. Yeah. Swede was the that was the model. And then also the Ultra Max which I think looks very similar but with maybe fancy tops. Uh and then the Ultra Swede. Oh yeah, you've they've sort of casually blended from sort of like 50s inspired les paul to um private stock prs in uh, four <laughs> guitar models it's like the six steps of kevin bacon but they're sort of gone for <laughs> they're sort of like on how can we go from hagstrom to prs uh seamlessly yes that's, um that's definitely what the ultra the ultra max does they, they've got some some really cool stuff. I always really like the Viking. The Viking bass I thought was cool, but the, the Viking model, it's like a got slightly sharper horns than you'd get on a 335. There's something of an slightly SG about the horns. Um, mm. But they're really cool, and I love the tailpiece. They do this this big, it's this large sort of offset tailpiece with like this Hagstrom coat of arms on the... Uh, yeah, right, right on the on the end of it. It looks looks fantastic. It's very cool. They um, they actually do an HL five fifty, which is kind of the the classic. I don't know if it was Gibson that did it first, or or probably someone um, a little bit more retro. But they do an HL five fifty, which is very much their big body jazzer with the mini neck uh, sort of humbucker. Um, very cool. Yeah, kind of. I, can't think of the Gibson model Super Five or whatever it was. Mm, and then yeah. you've got the kind of really nice tailpiece where the strings look like they just sort of float out of the bridge. Um, very cool. Very very jazzy. It's a Gibson L Five. I think you're thinking of L Five. Yes, yeah. maybe L Five. Um, but yeah, very very cool. Very good if you love jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are good actually they do this whole range of things called retroscape as well which i think is what got him onto hagstrom in the first place they just don't do any of them left-handed which he was sorely disappointed and the retroscape is way more like um uh they are reissues or largely inspired from the original hagstrom so they've got that much more sort of 70s um I don't know, like sort of seventies Italian feel to them mm. a little bit, where where they're like, uh, here's some really blocky looking single coils, uh, you know, and it will be sort of like strat or offset style thing, and it will just have everything. Like, I think the the Impala and the H3, which they do in Retroscape, they have like uh, like base six or Jaguar style switching, but I think there's something like six or seven of those little switches. Like it's almost right. half one side of the guitar made up by <laughs> like pickup switches and various tone cut things. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not a brand we talk about very often, but there you go. We found an in with ghost. <laughs> we um, did. <laughs> but they go for everything from ghost to jazz. So yeah, you know, fair enough. Do a Pat Smear signature model as well, I think. Yeah, their only their only signature is is the um, is other the, Pat the Smear, Phantom. Actually. Oh, other than the Phantom, which is weird because they don't actually class uh, on their website. I know um, very specific this, but yeah, they don't actually class that as the artist series under mm. artist series on their website. Only the Pat Smear, maybe because the Phantom N is designed by them, but maybe not 
difficult to model as a specific artist signature if no one actually knows who they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's that so. signature one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For that band that are actually a franchise. Yeah. 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 <laughs> very, very weird. But there you go. Indeed, indeed. So, anyway, um, uh, sort of off back onto the beaten track. How's your week been, Matt? Good. Uh, very un. Well, actually, I say ev- very unguitar related, but uh, Joe, how often, how often do you take all your guitars off the racks, take all the stuff off your desk, and give everything a good old clean? My goodness, you did that this week. I did that uh, in just about- a clean or a clean and a restring. No, just a clean, not a clean and a restring. Um, can't have the cat if you're restringing because they just they for some reason they just absolutely love a, a a guitar string dangling off the end of a guitar neck and i'm always worried it's going to poke them in the eye um but no just uh, before this podcast just got everything down and gave it a good dust a uh, little bit of fast fret keep the string sort of relatively i mean i don't generally put fast fret on before i play but where i'm not playing stuff particularly often um it's good to have, just put a bit of fast because it just keeps the strings a bit cleaner for a bit longer. Sure. Uh, but it's a good chance to just get everything down and have a bit of a jam around for a little bit and clean everything and dust everything. My room gets super dusty. Dust the desk, clean the desk, because I work here, you know, I play here, um, and it's generally got toast crumbs and spilt <laughs> coffee and stuff on it. So, you know, I've got to give it a clean once every now and then. But, yeah, good yeah. chance to... I don't know, again... Question one, how often do you do it, Joe? And I'm not talking about a string. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking about cleaning stuff and going, hey, I forgot I had that. I forgot what that played like. But also, <laughs> I tend to reorder stuff in the rack so that things I don't play very often are closer to hand. Oh, so smart. I can be, so I can just try and get, I mean, I played my SG today. I was just like, oh, yeah, totally forgot about this guitar even i look at it every day just i just don't i don't play as much and then i played my telly and went oh yeah the jack socket's fallen out and the pickup switch doesn't work i'm like probably should go and get this set up (laughs) you just sort of you just sort of forget really don't you yeah yeah exactly well uh, you know actually kind of on that note um i was going through some old uh sd cards from cameras just uh you know uh, cleaning some up just finding some space to film some things on and i came across the raw footage from uh when we filmed you uh retrofitting that bigsby onto your SG. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> all oh, those yes. years ago what, what was what was that what was the company that it was that? oh i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember i ended up selling that or trading that for something with a guy named Jake from the Gig Rig. Uh-huh. Um, he was selling something, and I had something, and we did a trade. Um, but I, I, Towner, 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 that was it. Ta- very, very good, and it and it went to live on Jake's SG, and he made much more use of it. Um, one thing I did keep though was the String Butler, which we've talked about before. Oh yes, very cool. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Just because it gives every. St- ring like a completely straight this almost like straight to the nut type thing and it just there keeps everything in tune bizarrely enough i always thought about buying some sort of temperature and humidifier gauge just to like stick on the wall um because i just don't know what it's like in here and our flat gets like super super hot almost all my guitars were almost completely in tune really wow yeah (laughs) like nothing had really slipped at all 
Um, and I put that down to um, good setup and just looking after your instrument. Oh, there you go. And, you know, following on from last week, as you've got all your guitars down, are you still finding that you're not gelling with your Stratocaster? So I played it again uh, to this evening and was like, it does, do you know what I think it is? And it's either I think it is or I've just watched a video on it and then gone, oh, maybe it's that, which is um, that pedal show put out an amazing video this week with uh, Matt from Monty's. Oh yes, where uh, Mick got his uh, Mick Taylor from the pedal show got his '61 Strat refretted, and and I'm like, I'm so used to bigger frets, and the frets on that Strat are so the neck is really thin, which is unlike anything else I've really got here, and also the frets are super low, right. and I'm like. And also, I had it strung up with 10s because I was like, maybe the, the Strat, you know, always 10s or whatever. It's, again, something in, in my head. And I'm like, actually, I think I should probably set it up with 11s. And it got me thinking about an interesting thing that I've, I've kind of always thought about for a while, but forgotten now that I don't really work in a guitar shop. And I'm probably not saying it as much as I kind of want every guitar to play exactly the same. Right. I just want them to sound different. Right, like if I could, okay. I would have every one of my guitars play exactly the same as you, my music man. Do you <laughs> I, not I would just that... want them to sound different. <laughs> sure. Do you, do you not think that them being set up differently contributes to, to, to how they sound? I mean, I certainly find that with bass. I think maybe my knowledge on what I want from guitar isn't refined or defined enough for me to know what the changes i mean i know i don't like low action it, it you know it makes you sound a bit uh you know everything sounds a bit metally with low action to, to yeah me, and, and you know what i'm i'm wondering if it's if it's a similar thing on this strat and, and interesting in the video i'm about three quarters of the way through you know they're talking about what what makes the biggest difference and you know and they say everything makes a difference and everything makes a, a unique combination for that instrument and that instrument is very different from another instrument, but a really good setup makes a really big difference. And I've talked to Matt before, and he's, I'll oh, bring it down to the shop. And obviously, they're not in, annoyingly, not as close in London anymore. Uh, they're in uh -huh. Cheltenham. Yes. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll have to take a trip and just stay up there for the day and then and then come back. But he did say once that he could, they could refet it and, and kind of almost. Um, Reprofile almost like a slightly different radius on the on the fretboard, but it got me thinking. You know, all of this going on the two hours before we podcast, I was like, is it worth realistically spending? I don't know. It's probably going to be like three, four hundred quid. When I'm like, is it? Could, is that what it costs? Though? I think wow. it's expensive. Well, I mean, you know, you're paying for someone's experience and someone's time oh of know. course i'm not i'm not um, disputing it. i just didn't realize that was the uh well i mean again it's not something you ever really have to have done that often unless you're playing all the time i mean you might in the future but i you know joe but i guess like perhaps um you've never had to have a bass refretted i uh i i you know i play so many different things i'm so fickle that i don't think i ever play anything long enough to need that yeah, that, I, that said, um, I do my, my 60s jazz bass does get you know my 60s reissue jazz bass that 
always does end up being the instrument I go back to. But nonetheless, I switch up, you know, and it's not like that just stays in storage. So I play that at rehearsals and gigs. I practice at home on a completely different instrument. I don't even see that guitar unless I'm Mm. at a show. So... But, um, yeah, I mean, coming to your question, Joe, yes, the setup does make a difference. And I think some guitars will inherently play different because a Les Paul is a different scale length to a Strat and they will they will play different. And, and, and perhaps, actually, what I mean is finding the right setup for that instrument that fits sure. with what you want to do. Um, but, yeah, interestingly for me, that Strat, and I, and I did play it for ages and perhaps it's just having a bit of an off time but i yeah i don't know it's um i just keep coming you know we said it last week probably said it the week before we've been saying it for years since then it's just that it is that music man it's the combination mm. of that neck those stainless steel frets the james valentine yeah yeah and, and i just think do i want to spend the money changing my strat when maybe i could buy something cheap and cheerful and mess around with it a bit more sure yeah don't know yeah, so, you know it's always nice to have thing, something a bit different isn't it but then but then at the same time it's like what's the point in having something if you're not going to get the best out of it and you're not going to play it oh, sure. and, and you know oh yeah you're going to take it away from its original spec and like, it doesn't matter if i'm never going to sell it and i'm always going to play it yeah so yeah. you kind of got to think of it in that way as well i guess you, you have to decide what you want from the future of that instrument you know, I think when you purchase a guitar, if yeah, you're going to start modding it, just accept that you're writing off the, that money for the instrument largely. You know, mm. if it's just something you want to try for a while and then sell, then probably try and keep it to as original spec as possible. But I, I just think it's about deciding in advance what, what you see of the future of that guitar. Yeah. But yeah. In, in answer to your uh, your question about when I clean my guitars, it never, never. I never, ever clean them, <laughs> never. ever. Never. I never. I, I rarely restring, ever. I don't think I've ever restrung either harm. Oh, no, I broke a string on the Harmony Silhouette, and I, ha- I replaced that one string. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I, I am uh, I am, I'm terrible. Terrible at that sort of thing. I mean, I, I restrung the, the Grez, but that was because the strings were terrible that came with that. They were really old, but... Um, yeah, rarely restring the... I mean, I restring my touring bases, but the bases that stay at home, virtually not at all. I never clean anything unless it's going to be in a photo shoot. I guess stuff gets cleaned then. And, you know, when you talk about, like, uh, uh, sort of getting something out and being like, oh, yeah, you know, I, f- I forgot how good this was and things like that. I was actually... We, we spoke about maybe a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, uh, Alpha Male Tea Pie, my, our good friends, Alpha Male Tea Pie, were very yes. sadly robbed at a service station in london had all their gear nicked. So, uh, amazingly tom's pedal board was left behind um <laughs> i probably looked at it and went what is this <laughs> exactly exactly what is but that he lost all his tellies um and uh and ben the bass player lost um his his jazz bass his precision bass and his old um jetlow rickenbacker 4001 that he'd just finished paying for from a, oh. a, fr- a friend's dad it was a, a an old one um so that was very sad for him so i thought um i was he predominantly played a jazz bass you know and i was like well i have six so i'll i'm, I'm gonna give him i'm gonna gift him a jazz bass i haven't told him yet um listeners i was just gonna send it to him i've got his address so i was just gonna pop it in the post but um, so I, I, I picked a jazz bass that I was going to give give to him. It was actually a jazz bass that uh, that you sorted out for me when we both worked at, at GAC. 
um uh we got in this butterscotch someone came in and sold in like a butterscotch jazz bass with emgs in it and uh and you guys alerted me that uh that someone was selling in a uh, a butterscotch jazz bass for very cheap so i uh, i purchased that and that came on my first tour to europe but it's actually been at a friend's studio for the last two three years so i just called that friend right. up and was like can i get this back um, no, like, and, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, he actually dropped it back to me and I was like, mate, I can lend you another one of my basses if you need it for the studio. And he was like, no, you already have. I have one of your P basses too. I was like, oh, I forgot I owned that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, but anyway, so I, I wanted to get a case. So I went, I've got this cupboard in my office that's just full of cases. So I went in there, got a case out to put it in, opened the case up. There was another jazz bass in there that I forgot I owned. Excellent. So it was great. It was an old Excellent. Greco's, like a, like early 70s pre-serial um, number uh, jazz bass, which came wow. in as part of the, when I was doing the Harlequin Guitar Club. Dear listeners, if you if you if you tuning if you start listening to us more than you know, less than a year ago i guess around a year ago i used to do this thing called harlequin guitar club where i was getting pallet loads of busted japanese uh import guitars from the 70s 80s and 90s and i was fixing them up and, and selling them over here and uh, it was one of the ones that came in and i was like well I'm, I'm gonna actually just buy this for myself um so i, I was i was really happy to to, to find that because it, it is actually lots of fun trust rod doesn't work at all and the neck is bananaed but you know it's you can just about play it uh, i think it i remember great. you talking about that one before yeah yeah i need to learn how to replace a trust rod i guess it's not, <laughs> oh god <laughs> not something that's in my uh a, a ability wheelhouse at the moment but I, absolutely I, not <laughs> absolutely not um good luck risky. if you ever try it but i think you will struggle mm, yeah oh well we'll see we'll see what i can do i can always put it in a vice or something i don't know i'll, I'll find a way i'll find a way because it is it is worth it um Indeed. but but uh but yes i want i was going to talk about the things that i'd been up to this week as well um, have rude of me joe what have yeah, you done oh, no. this week <laughs> so, no, <laughs> i was getting to it but you just went you on were, about how you uh i'm sorry <laughs> you keep forgetting that you've got you know bases in every nook and cranny i really do um so this week dear listen i went to a bunch of shows uh on thursday night i had the the privilege to get to go to a wonderful venue coco uh, in Camden, in London, uh, to see Mulato Asatke, who is a very influential on my band, Polymath, although sounds nothing like it. He's basically the guy who invented, uh, I've spoken about it before on the podcast, Ethio Jazz. Um, a really interesting fella who, uh, who in the 60s came over to the UK from Ethiopia to study classical music. Uh, started going to jazz clubs in and around London, found that he loved it, but he wanted to introduce... Um, African modes, which are five-note scales, into uh, into sort of Western music um, to sort of hybrid it. But nowhere in the UK in the late sixties taught jazz, not in, not in a not in a school sort of environment. So he left here and went to Berkeley, um, which was the only place uh, in in the US that was um, that was offering jazz as a as a, a thing to study. So he studied it there. And he invented his own modes and his own genre by creating, um, yeah, Ethio Jazz. He's largely a um, a vibraphone player, but he, of course, curates all of the all of the music. So we went to see him. Um, he's he's seventy five now. 
Um, wow. And, you know, he's just about sort of hobbling on, on and off the stage, you know, and uh, he's got a fantastic band around him. He had a, um, a, a, a drummer, a percussionist who was largely playing a talking drum, which is, I think, one of the most remarkable instruments. You see, you know, talking drum, Matt? Have you seen those? I do not know a talking drum. I will you, Google it as you, you describe it. There are a couple of different ways you can play it. The way this fella played it is you hold it under your arm and you play it essentially with almost a hooked stick um, and you squeeze and release pressure on the drum to change the the note that you're hitting. But this guy was playing complicated melodies. It wasn't just going, boop, 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 boop. You know, he's not just going one way or the other. He's playing complex melodies by just, you know, putting more pressure and less pressure on the drum under his arm, which was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. Wow. He was incredible. All the musicians were incredible. So drummer, percussionist, Mulato Asatke on, um, on vibraphone, as well as a couple of other things. He played organ and a type of drum that I can't remember the name of. Then he had a trumpet player, a sax player who really led the band, and then a double bass player and a cellist. And the cellist spent half of the show uh, with the cello sat on his lap like a guitar, and he was playing it like a guitar. Uh, which That's was some serious finger strength there. Yeah, it's one of the most inc- incredible shows I've ever seen. Like it was just makes you want to give up. Um, but uh, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it sounds cheesy in some ways, and every you know everyone from all different skill levels can get together and play music. It's a language that people can speak, and yes. anyone at any level can play with other musicians and. Uh, you know, get some enjoyment out of it. You know, if you're a beginner and you're playing with, you know, some sort of uh, expert guitar player, hopefully they're a nice enough person to sit there and help you along and and you play and and you get something out of it. Um, But when you've got people that are so versed in that language Mm. and, and they're talking to other musicians in that same language, it is just... I think for some people, certainly I think you feel this way, Joe. I certainly do as well, is that it's just really engrossing to watch. Yeah. And that's why I sort of love Zappa and I and I love a lot of like free jazz because I just it, it's, oh, it's, it's a lot of people just go, Oh, it's just like uh, it's just noise and I listen to it and go, There's two or three or five or whatever people having just this insane conversation and, and you feel off their enjoyment of what they're doing on the instrument and you can sort of it's almost like listening to a language you know a little bit about it's like if you're listening to a little bit of someone having a conversation in i mean i know very very little japanese but when you listen to it long enough and you pick out odd words you know what things mean and your brain instantly translates it into a language you know when you play guitar or bass or whatever and you hear someone do something that you sort of know you kind of almost have that relation to it sure and and then yeah it's just that that's that's what i love i mean i love listening to lots of types of music but especially that kind of uh same as you joe that kind of uh, jazz stuff is just oh man you get some really good people it can be absolutely uh absolutely mind-blowing absolutely yeah. mind-blowing Yes, so it was. It's uh, difficult to report back on that gear-wise on a guitar podcast because there literally was not a guitar player, but uh, other than the other than the cellist. But um, I'm sure they're using some sort of pedal somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But dear listener, I do thoroughly recommend Mulatu Asatke. Um, if you can't, you know, work out how to spell that, I'm not going to spell it out on the podcast, or you forget the name. 
if you search Ethio Jazz on any streaming service, he will come up as, you know, he is the 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 forefather, you know, the man who invented the entire genre. So, uh, yeah, give, give that a look. It, it, it's, it's really interesting stuff. But on sun, Sunday, yesterday, I went back up to London to go to Victoria Park to see the final day of All Points East Festival, a fantastic four or five stage festival that takes place in Victoria Park every year across a few weekends. Um, I've been before, always have great bands, and they had a returning headline of my favourite artist of all time in the world, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, was headlining. And he was, of course, as usual, absolutely fantastic. Warren Ellis switching between his... Um, what a legend. Yeah, what, what a legend of a man. Uh, switching between playing fiddle and his Eastwood... Um, four-string tenor guitar that he plays, which is uh, which is fantastic. His sort of Mustang-shaped tenor guitar it just sounds sounds amazing. Sounds fantastic. So that was really enjoyable. But there are there are a couple of other artists I wanted to talk about that I saw. The Smile for one, um, Tom York from Radiohead, Johnny Greenwood, um, their new project, which was which was very good, if a little not festivally. You know, it was it was three fellows on a stage, sort of facing each other playing without talking to the crowd for 45 minutes so I'm not sure it was quite the right thing for a sunny afternoon festival but it was it was very good but most of all Anna Calvey now dear listener if you've not checked out Anna Calvey she's absolutely fantastic just wonderful sort of retro rock and roll um sort of has uh, sort of flavors of the white stripes in there and things like that and, and Nick Cave as well and uh, she's always always interesting to watch. She's also, you know, it, uh, curated the the score for Peaky Blinders uh, for the last two seasons, I think, as well. And worked worked with right. uh, worked with Nick Cave and also Jenny Jenny Beth from Savages, who was also uh, performing um, at, at at the festival. But one of the great things about Anna Calvi is that she is known for being a bit of a pain not a pain but uh, uh she is she wants her gear to sound the way she wants her gear to sound she is unwilling now i'm saying this is a positive i realize opening by saying she's a pain that, that makes it sound like a negative note she's unwilling to relent on that stuff so the sound she wants is her vox ac30 turned up on full and by jove that is what she's gonna sound like <laughs> and i've seen her in a few smaller settings and it's always just wonderfully loud and the thing for me that was amazing is she was playing on the main stage at All Points East, and I swear we could hear that we were about halfway back, and the sound we could hear bang in the middle was coming from her AC30 in the middle of the stage, you know, rather than the huge speakers um, surrounding her. But yeah, she plays. Wow. Uh, she plays. She switched between playing her. Um, um, she has like an older American standard. Telecaster, where it, it could be older than that, but she certainly put those single s- saddles on the on the telly. She always plays the next pi- the neck pickup, but it sounds unbelievably brittle. Um, a lovely sort of sunburst. Um, oh, I've forgotten if it's rosewood or maple necked. How about that? I'm looking at some pictures. If you put Anna Anna Calvi uh, into uh, Google, uh, lots of her sunburst tellies have a maple neck. The one she seems to be playing the most, yeah, seemed to have some sort of maple neck on it. Yes, it was. It was just uh, just 
yeah, uh, an incredible sounding instrument and just, um, you know, just that she has a really minimal pedal board. I remember when she played a couple of years ago in Brighton, she played at a, at a church and a friend of mine was part of the crew and he was able to take a, a snap of her pedal board for me. She had no switches or anything like that. The pedals were in like random angles and stuff. It was such an unorganized board. Um, but there was like a big box, big muff on there, which I think was responsible for an awful lot of her tone. And just, oh, Interesting. I was trying to find some pictures of the pedal board. It doesn't seem to be that much around. No, no. I'll have to dig it up. I have it somewhere. But she's playing a double amp setup. So it was one of the... Uh, so it was the AC30, which she had a custom red AC30. Um, and the other was a Marshall 1974X. Um, you know, I don't know how she was switching them on and off, but it was the most incredible sound. Um, and then halfway through, she, she switched, much to my dismay, to one of the new American professional telecasters in the worst finish of all time that awful dark night um you know blue to black oh burst. yeah yeah um which, i've seen uh, it in real life now and i don't dislike it as much as i did when i saw pictures of it <laughs> yeah um but you know gotta make some new colors at some point joe <laughs> yeah sure sure fine very well but um but yes that that for me was the most remarkable sound dear listener go and check it out if you want some absolutely extreme guitar tones uh, a lot of her solos she's she does with like a slide and it's just about noise now she used to play more articulate solos on her early stuff and it's just about these absolutely crazy sort of sprawling manic um yeah just noise it, it it's fantastic it's just so visceral so um, you've got me. You've you've, you've piqued my interest, Joe. Um, if I'm going to go and commute to work tomorrow and put this on uh, the old headphones, what? Uh, where do I start? Three records. It looks like three main albums. She signed to Domino, so one of the one of the, the cooler labels. Um, <laughs> but any uh, any any preference from you on on records? Um, so the the albums that she has i think she has her self-titled album then she has one breath and then she has hunter those are the mm -hmm. the the three records um i think her first album is my favorite when it comes to uh like guitar solos and guitar tone okay it was uh it's also a good place to start i think she has some great songs on there some great soaring sort of wild west Esque vocals. I don't know. I know that sounds weird, but I don't know how else to put it. Um, that's that's a very that's a great a perfect point to to get into Anna Calvi because she definitely gets weirder, and um, I think by the time you get to the the third record, Hunter, she has some fantastic stuff like the song itself, Hunter as a man. Um, Alpha, I think, is one of her best ever songs. They're all fantastic. But she'll go down some weird routes, like, uh, you know, for example, if you put on, she's got an EP that's come out after those records, and your one track is literally just her breathing. Uh, you know, okay. so she's uh, she she's not afraid to make just weird stuff as well. So maybe, maybe safest to start at the beginning and hear where she came from. But I think for brutal Telecaster into you know at maximum volume into a vox ac30 uh okay the self-titled album is the is the place to i, to go. I will do it and report back there you go yes yes as you should yeah so i'll be interested yeah let me know next week what you think of anna calvi and do listen as well dear listener 
if you haven't already, she is uh, absolutely fantastic and just a you know a modern day guitar hero. Um, cool. Give it a listen. Anyway, I wanted to. We were going to talk. We were going to do a little new segment, which actually we we want your feedback on, dear listeners. So let you know, let us know what you think about us reintroducing a handful of segments. This segment uh, we're going to call "What's in the Watch List," and uh, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk to you about some gear that's piqued our interest each week. Um, Matt Knight, um, starting with you. So this, dear listener, will be mostly things from eBay, or Reverb something like that don't worry us listeners we're not going to just pick stuff that's available in the uk we you know we'll find things that are available all over um and make sure we're talking about those as well as you know to be honest there's there's, there's so much more gear in the other side of the pond than there is here so. i know it's um you know I, this I, I keep getting like loads of youtube shorts of, like there seems to be a trend at the moment of people like going to uh garage sales garage sales um and just like picking stuff up and flipping it on ebay and right. you know whatever and i think this i think you might find I, I was having a similar conversation with my dad recently who sold a classic car my dad used to like buy and sell a lot of classic cars um and the thing is now the internet uh, and especially specialist websites like reverb which are great you know everyone's an expert and it, everyone yeah. wants the most they can ever get. You know, even if you go to our equivalent in the UK, like a car boot sale, um, when you see like gear or specialist stuff, as records or, you know, turntables or music rated gear or hi fi or anything like that, like people know what it is and uh, there aren't as many bargains should we say yes, um, absolutely. Although, although i do like that the fact that reverb does have the kind of uh, what's on offer so you can look at stuff in the uk that people have just discounted um which is always which is always quite good but i guess this section or the gear we're talking about here is more stuff that's just interesting rather than stuff that might be a deal but we'd hope that maybe some listeners might uh, mm. end up buying the stuff so for me um on my uh, on the watch list at the moment, I've got a uh, very. This is biz- so weird. It's, it's very. On it. It's very very bizarre, but I really want it. Uh, it's a 1988 Galleon Kruger MLS guitar amplifier stereo power head, two times sixty watts. This is a solid state guitar amp from Galleon Kruger from the eighties. It looks like uh, a portable radiator. It, does look like a portable radiator um so actually they say power head in uh this is preamp and power amp so you can go straight out into the back into two speakers and run it in stereo i think stereo means that you can run two minimum eight ohm speakers uh and you've also got a stereo line out which is post output level but let me run you through the front uh so you have a lead channel uh, with boost and a shape control, clean, which is just volume, uh, treble, bass, and then a high and a low mid EQ, an output level, and then on the front you've got a effect send and return, and you've also got a line out um, which feeds into the stereo line out, which I think you can have mono or stereo. Uh, yeah, so you can actually use it as a line out from the front or you can use it as a stereo um, return. So interestingly, you could run a stereo delay into the effects loop mm. uh, and then out into two camps. Um, just really cool. Galen Kruger, I remember talking to someone 
in our office who's a bit older who remembered in the 80s when Gannon and Kruger, I think they made another guitar amp, which was basically this but a combo. And I think it was really famous in the 80s for being like, if you're not using a JC, you're basically using one of these. It was I like see. a 200 watt Ooh. combo um, for guitar, yeah, in the 80s, which I think was like super clean. The 250 ml, uh, I've just, just found it, the Galleon Kruger 250 ml. Um, so this was kind of like, I guess, the uh, equivalent of, yeah, it was a pretty heavy combo, 22 pounds. Wow. Um, not, I guess that's not super heavy. Uh, but yeah, I think a 202 by 50, two times 50 watt stereo output combo was basically the same sort of uh, feeling. So super clean. Ah, yes. I recognise this combo because they did a bass version that was very similar, that was yes. favoured um, by like, people like Pink Floyd and stuff. Yes. Like, uh... So um, this uh, MLS, which I guess is the head version, um is a really good clean pedal platforms got a distortion channel which apparently used by gary moore at some point um i'm just into it i think this is really cool i like sort of weird and wonderful guitar amp heads i like things that are effectively super clean um and you know could be a really good pedal platform so yeah, if you're running sure. two amps i think this is cool but i like the idea of the stereo effects loop and then running that out into two speakers or two cabs. Um, 450 pounds. Yes. I don't think that's too bad. I've no. never seen another one, so I've got nothing to judge it on. <laughs> um, but yeah, very tempted. That was, uh, I just, I don't know. I like it. And I feel that you're probably going to get a better deal on guitar amps from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, at the moment, point. before. Um, Guitar amps from the 80s become way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. £450, £15 shipping. Looks like it was listed less than a month ago, so um, so you could well go. And 17 watches on Reverb at the moment. So. One of them is me. Is one of them you, <laughs> dear listener? Are you yeah. going to buy this from under my feet? Probably. Uh, or please, hopefully, and report back. <laughs> Uh, this does look great. I love the idea of like high-powered, solid-state guitar amps, especially when they're offering, you know, the the fact that it's a stereo head. This is kind of surprisingly versatile, I guess. If this was in an updated, modern-looking chassis and released by a more in vogue uh, brand, people would be raving about this sort of thing. Yeah, I guess it's. Um... It's the probably the vintage, dare I say, vintage equivalent of something like DV Mark. Yeah, doing yeah. a similar thing. So just think about a DV Mark that was made uh, thirty years ago. Oh, it's definitely you've... not attractive, dear listener. It looks awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's been some aesthetic, good aesthetic choices in the last uh, thirty years. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what they're going for: small, portable high powered uh fits in a in a rack maybe but yeah kind of cool caught my eye sits there in the watch list uh this week mm. amongst many others <laughs> what about you joe uh for me this week so it was it was hard for me to choose one thing because there's always a lot of stuff in my watch list dear listener but an in an aim to sort of move away from talking about i realized over the last few weeks i have talked a lot about vintage pedals 
a lot of the time electroharmonics. Now we are actually going to talk, come back to electroharmonics a little bit later in the podcast, but I just wanted to move away from that. I felt like I'd sort of, if you dear listener aren't interested in that sort of thing, you've had a boring few weeks of me talking. So something did come up for me um, recently um, around at the same time that Matt's, that Matt's thing was, uh, was listed 21 days ago. I got a little message to say that something, uh, some keywords that I look out for uh, has appeared on uh, Reverb. And it is, of course, a Squire Hello Kitty Stratocaster. Joe, um, would it would it shock you to know that I am watching exactly the yeah. same <laughs> listing? <laughs> 33 watches, which is surprisingly low, I thought. Do you know, it, it was interesting because... I yeah I I'd seen a couple of these I think I just randomly you know we talked about it a lot many moons ago on the podcast um probably didn't help the hype train uh, at some point <laughs> which was definitely going at full force and then I thought about it the other day and was just like hmm are people still selling these are they still crazy money and they are kind of still crazy money but I think the people that actually ever wanted them for the reason they wanted them have bought them and uh, now yeah. and then i think this one feels like someone who maybe bought one many moons ago and it's like oh yeah it's probably worth some money now yeah i don't i don't know about that like m- maybe you're right maybe you're right it's just that it's seemingly unmodded and it's actually very hard to find well, a lot that of is time, true when i that look for a Halle, hello kitty strat on the internet most of the time it's like here's just the body without the plate or the pickup or anything or you know it, 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 it's, it's often doesn't have the neck um mm. if, if mm. they do come up they've normally been modded normally it's something like an invader a seymour duncan invader because dear listener if you're not familiar with the hello kitty stratagaster this is simple um i don't know if it's shorter scale actually i'm not sure um, no it's it's a regular it is is it? Def- i think it's definitely full size oh, I'm, sh- okay. I'm sure it is i'm sure it is so it's just a, a pink stratagaster but the scratch plate is the hello kitty head uh, on on a slight angle, single humbucker in the bridge, hard uh, hardtail bridge, and a single volume control. Lovely little touches on the neck. It's a maple neck, um, and it has pink um, uh, dot inlays, which I think is a lovely little touch. The old black Squire logo, which no- is normally associated with the Affinity range, um, and mm. uh, I think the um, the tuners. I'm not sure. There's no picture on, of the back of the neck, so I don't know. You know, you get those closed gear tuners on all the Affinity stuff, so I don't know if if that's the case on this. But, uh, but yeah, this is surprisingly unmodded, and they're normally modded. They normally have stuff done to them. Um, they they so... do. Um, I would say the only thing... I'm actually watching a couple as well, Joe. I would, the only hmm. thing I'd say about the one that you are talking about at the moment there's one on uh yeah reverb for about 500 ish looks like it's had a few stickers looks like the paint slightly faded um there is another uh listing uh for the same guitar uh for a little less money uh, although they're asking crazy shipping prices but still comes with some form of case and the fender hello kitty strap uh which has the kind of Hello Kitty logo in black leather and then is pink, uh, and it's v- a very, very cool strap. Um, you can still find them. I found one for sale, but I don't really want to pay 50 quid for it. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. These are usually modded and then kind of stupid, but 
once they're modded, they're basically worthless. Yes, well, because no, they're I think, so. I think they're so specific to the person who exactly wants it. That's the problem, isn't it? And, and I think that's reasonable. I think I think it's silly when people relist these things that they've been customized to the point where they're not really, you know, the thing that we're all looking for, and they still want big bucks for it this one's listed for 500 pounds on the nose with 50 pounds shipping but it's completely unmodded and so for me that's like well that's if i was gonna get hello kitty that's what i want i want it because it's a, mm. a wonderful piece of history and i actually don't think i would mod it i think i'd i, I want it because it's such a crazy thing that squire did and they've never really done anything as weird since um certainly nothing that's resonated with people as much as no this has. no and uh uh, you know, on a on a parallel to that, the one thing we've talked about before, which again, don't think there's any available, um, but I would, it would 100% be on my watch list if one came up. In fact, actually, that's a lie. There is one in America. I'm not going to pay the money they are asking for it, but the bad bats maru um, bronco, <laughs> yes, um, which is black but has the. The the the, the head of the, the yeah the character um, but yeah no they haven't really done anything the straps seemingly sell for uh, anywhere between thirty and a hundred and eighty dollars oh. um, so I'm not going to pay a hundred and eighty dollars for the strap uh, but yeah there you go the the Hello Kitty I can't think of anything anything they've uh, they've they've done I, unless there's some um, Japanese squires, perhaps, or other guitars that you do you do get a lot of Japanese exclusives. Right. Certainly, when I've been over there, brands like ESP, for example, have lots of signature bases that are kind of quirky uh, and have like different characters and stuff like that. Uh, but the Hello Kitty feels like the original, and certainly the one that people bought and modded mm-hmm. yes yeah well i guess that you know there you go dear listener that's our that's our picks for this week a 1988 galian kruger mls guitar amp and uh and a square hello key strand oh, <laughs> oh imagine both of those in a rig i mean you would be yeah. rocking stages yeah. from kent to hull with that, <laughs> you know. yeah exactly um, um, now I wanted to I wanted to return to something that we talked about last week, Matt. Last week I was going on about the um, the Big Muff reissues, the the wonderful range of Big Muff reissues, because of course we were talking about the uh, the the Rams Head, what uh, the J Mascus Rams Head yes. Big Muff, and then we we were we went through every single Big Muff, mm-hmm. um, which yeah you can listen to in detail from last week's, but yeah every single Big Muff, and you said you were going to go and listen to a shootout video, Joe, and come back with the one that you were going to buy. Yes, I did. So I listened to that shootout video. I shared it in the Guitar Nerds group as well for people to weigh in, and it was great actually. I got some great suggestions on other um, uh, Big Muffs that that I could potentially be looking at that are non electro harmonics okay uh makes but you know like a, and there are some great suggestions in there it's just you know yeah i, I know that like buckets of companies make them i kind of want an electro harmonics one you know half because they're so affordable really you know it's 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 great that everyone does you know do a big muff and that they probably are sort of modded to fix certain things or maybe sound a bit better but then they're you know they're 250 quid plus i love that these are whatever 70 80 quid yes um, and i, and I guess um 
Oh, sorry, Joe, you go. No, 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 you go. I, I guess, yeah, we should just quickly uh, go by saying that uh, last week we talked about the Jay Mascus Big Muff. And since I've read an article written by my good friend Stefan, uh, who does the blog Guitar Pedal X, and uh, he was pointing out a couple of things that he bought one. Uh, I think it hasn't shipped yet. But it turns out the J Mascus Big Muff that was a reverb exclusive is actually exactly the same as the previous Electro Harmonics V2 Violet, Violet Ramhead Big Muff pedal in the compact enclosure they released a year or so ago, uh, which you, I believe you can still buy. Yes, you can still buy from many UK retailers. Um, it's just got a different graphic on the front with a slightly different colour. Um, yes. So much more of a kind of ballpark um, version of J Mascus' original Ramshead Big Muff. Uh, they recommend, and uh, Joe, you, you might have had some other recommendations, but they recommend uh, the J Mascus Garbage Face or Garbage Face Junior uh, by Ren and Cuff Pedals. They actually make a... I guess what they are kind of calling it is a sort of warts and all exact replica of his early 70s, his exact early 70s Ramshead Big Muff, uh, which he purchased and tore in 1987 and has used since. And that is the exact same model that they worked really closely together to make sure that their unit, the Garbage Face, was the dead-on replica. Uh, they also do a bigger version in the garbage face um so yeah that's the garbage face junior they do the standard garbage face 349 dollars uh it's also got a vintage germanium treble boost side uh and you've got two different volumes so you can have a normal volume and a super loud volume which as we know joe mascus plays super loud very loudly yes. <laughs> indeed Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, it's just one suggestion, but just thought an update to anyone who listened last week. And it's a bit of investigation. Turns out, uh, only because I was about to hit the buy button, wanted to find out a bit more. Turns out, that's the uh, that's the vibe. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, well, one of the one of the ones that uh, interested me most that was an alternative suggestion that I got from Peter Darling. Um, he suggested the uh, Triangulo Trung... Triangulo <laughs> Labs, Triangulo, Triangulo Lab. I don't know that them, dear listener. You know what I'm talking about. Um, their scarfers, which is inspired by the violin-like scar tissue lead sounds from John Frusciante. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that that's uh, so that's a faithful reproduction of the early two thousands NYC big muff, often called the Frantone big muff. Yes, um, which is pretty cool. There's a clean blend on this, as well as two foot switches, um, as well. Uh, I don't know what the second foot switch does. Uh, yeah, this um, this brand actually they make a lot of kind of John Frusciante inspired uh, guitar pedals, but yeah, it looks like you've got. <laughs> You know, sometimes I get having odd names on uh, <laughs> on pedals, but when you've got a switch that says no name, and then <laughs> when you look at their website and it just says extra features, no name, question mark. It, it doesn't give like, you the information. So it, I have no, we have no idea what this uh, actually does. Um, 
but there I hope you go. It's nothing. I hope I, it's not wired to anything. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting if they just went. Yeah, there you go. There was um, on a on a side note. There was I think Anderton's did an April Fools many years yes, ago. Yeah, that's right. They did with it. Wampler, and they did that kind of thing where it was like it was it was the, like the placebo effect pedals. Yeah, the psycho schematic boost or something like that and they're like oh, I've got people say oh it's it's way better and then they were like it's literally it's just turning a buffer on and off <laughs> um but yeah very very cool but yeah uh, actually i hadn't seen this before Tri- triangulo labs uh t-r-i-u-n-g-u-l-o-a-b very weird stupid way to pronounce triangulo triangulo it's probably the guy's name matt Ah, <laughs> oh, it's not. It's it's okay. it's a it's a weird way of saying. I, I think they're from Italy, so maybe it's the right. Italian way of saying triangle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, interesting that they're going after the yeah the two the early two thousands basically uh, Frantone one uh, for so Fran Blanche who actually has a really good YouTube channel. And she looks into a bunch of different technologies and all sorts of stuff. She had Frantone pedals. Uh, yeah, she. I think she designed this reissue for Electroharmonics. Uh, and that's the one that I think, I guess it's just like, it was just an off-the-shelf purchase in like 2006 or whatever. Uh, it's changed since then. But yeah, kind of a famous version of the old Big Muff Pie in, in the big box. So that's very, very cool. I mean, interestingly, I would have suggested... Well, I would have previously perhaps suggested the JHS uh, Muffuletta. Oh, yes. Of course. Um, the, the, the Big Muff with seven Big Muffs in it. The Big Muff with seven Big Muffs in it. But interestingly, there is also, and this is much more recent, this year actually, Anna Sounds uh, released a seven-in-one modular dual-channel Big Muff where it's got the kind of modular circuit boards in so you've got a triangle a ram's head the kind of black and red classic pie uh the black russian the green russian the civil war and the op amp version and you can have two in at once and you can switch between the two which is very very cool, that is cool. um i guess similar again there's a few people doing that but also similar to uh what was the other brand joe that we've had that was very good and you could put in a rat or a big muff or a tone bender you're talking about jackson audio i am talking about jackson audio yes um again another good choice for that kind of um modular that kind of thing. yeah indeed but also for if you didn't want to go down the electroharmonics route i mean the great thing about as you mentioned the electroharmonics route for big muffs is the fact that they are incredibly cheap <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> compared to a lot of the uh you know boutique competition you know the great thing is is that you can pick most of these up for anywhere between sort of like 50 dollars second hand and up i guess yeah, yeah um, exactly. you know i think even the main ones are only you know 70 to 100 dollars yeah yeah it's just uh, amazing prices from electro harmonics but still something something that sounds great you cannot fault them they sound fantastic i know they are it's they have a sound all of their own, and they just sound very, very good. If you want to do a real deep dive, I would highly recommend heading over to Stefan's blog, Guitar Pedal X. Mm-hmm. He's done a, a breakdown here a couple of years ago now, but 28 of the best compact 
big muff fuzz pedals. Oh, I need all, to, yes. All seven varieties. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely worth a deep dive into that. You that. forget how many are actually out there. Well, that does that, that does sound so, like something I definitely need to check out because I watched the, the shootout video, obviously, I put up here. I don't know if you did, Matt, in the end. I afterwards, watched I a few <laughs> bits of it. I watched mm. a few bits of it and then went, oh, I'll just take them all. <laughs> is that is that where you, do, do just, you not, can you pick a favorite for you i think we said the probably the nano big muff like the the op amp one the billy corgan one because that's obviously the right. one that i've got an original and you know and that's the close sort of that. sound you want that's yes sort of it's just that wall of sound it's thing. almost so heavy that it doesn't feel heavy in yeah. some ways it's just it's just a great sort of super thick um distortion sound which i absolutely love almost synth it's almost like a you know like the that sort of it makes everything so on or off like it you lose all Mm. dynamics it's just a a big note (laughs) yeah exactly and and loads of sustain and stuff it's they're they're wicked Mm. well i couldn't choose i settled on two i settled on the two that i liked the most um which i think was the, the the triangle um the triangle is the one i think i'm gonna get for tim i think that's that's more his flavor uh and the green i just really liked for myself um so i'm gonna pick the uh the green russian um and and see how that sounds on bass actually that i think as i mentioned last week um that is the one where I think, yeah, the guy from Weezer, Scott Schreiner from Weezer, used one. I think uh, that's yes. generally seen as one of the better versions for bass. Um, but the Triangle Big Muff, I think, good choice. You know, not not the kind of big, you know, wall of sound thing. It's a lot of gain, but, yeah, almost a little bit more of the kind of vintage. Yeah, um, it's still articulate, I think, which was important. Yes, Yes, I think that's a good way to put it. Absolutely, but yes, we will see. So that's I'm I'm going to pick those up. I think this week, and then I'll report back, dear listener, on how I'm getting on. Now we we've kind of come to the end of this week's podcast. We're going to head over onto the Patreon, where we're going to be um, we're going to be taking questions from our from our Patreon group. Um, in in uh, in fact, we're going to do this moving forward. Should we talk about this now? Yeah, let's talk about yeah. it now. So, let's talk about it now. So we're going to be taking over on our Patreon each week. We're going to take questions from the group because, to be honest, recently there have been some great questions on the on on the Facebook group. So we are going to pick questions from Facebook and um, uh, use it as a topic in our Patreon episode. And each week, if you are selected, if we, if we choose your question and. Um, and and answer your question on the episode all you need to do is get in touch with us uh um and uh, with your address and we'll send you out a pack of guitar nerds plectrums just to say thank you for you know for for helping us for all that support <laughs> all, all the support and for you know for for giving us a topic that we wanted to talk about um so feel free uh, dear listeners um to uh, you know, to ask your questions on the Facebook group each week and we'll make sure we're covering at least one every week and you will get a pack of very nice gravity plectrums. They're one and a half mil um, gravity picks with the Gitano's logo on them. We'll send out a pack to you if you do that. So, yes, we're going to do that. We're answering John Bai's question for something like the third week in a row because he just asked great questions. So this week we're going to talk about which artist's rig um slash tone do you currently admire he's on an incubus kick at the moment and loving the mike einzinger tone 
So we're going to go over and talk about that. I also want to talk to Matt. I want to pick Max, Matt's brains about the new, um, the new Boss Cubes. It's a guitar cube and a bass cube that have come out. They look really interesting and cool. So we might talk about that a bit. If you want to join us over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, you can become a supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you get this episode ad free and early. Five dollars gets you access to the Patreon special and our entire back catalogue. Ten dollars gets you the lot. Plus, I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Goodbye. Sorry.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 